0: So today we are continuing um, in John and we're looking at uh, Jesus on trial with Pilate. And so we're in, at the end of John chapter 18 and starting in, uh, in a good bit of verse of chapter 19. Um, and we left off last week where Pilate, the guy who ultimately is going to give the execution order on Jesus, um, has he seems to just kind of be scratching his head. Um, he's like, there's this mob saying this guy needs to be killed. And I can see at the bottom of it, it doesn't really boil down to truth. It doesn't really boil down to anything this guy's done. Um, and his, his kind of last statement that he makes in, our, in last week's passage um, was, Pilate said to them, what is truth? And, and he's just like, what does truth have to do with any of this? What, is, what does it have to do with anything? And what we're going to see today is John's account of Pilate trying to wrestle with knowing that Jesus is not guilty of anything, and yet this mob pushing him to execute Jesus. And what we see in Pilate is really, when you kind of look at it, he really just comes across as just like a spineless man. Like, the dude has no backbone. He's he's pushed around by the crowd. He uh, He's unwilling to just do the right thing. And he gets manipulated and pushed and shoved into doing uh, what they want him to do. Um, but, so the first attempt that Pilate makes on maybe getting out of this is, he's like, oh yeah, it's Passover. And at Passover... We generous Romans always release to you one of your people who are imprisoned, right? Like this is what we generous Romans do to you. And so here's my idea. I'm going to release Jesus to you this year. You just brought him into me like four hours ago. Now it's time for me to show you my grace and release Jesus to you because he is king of the Jews. So I am releasing to you your king. And so let's see how that goes. So John 18, starting at verse 38. So after he says what is truth, after he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I shall release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Is how my translation translates who Barabbas was. And so if you remember, their charge that they're bringing Jesus to Pilate on is, hey, he's claiming to be our king. He's claiming to be the king of the Jews. He is a threat to Rome. He is a threat to the Roman rule. He's trying to lead an insurrection to overthrow Rome. And so you've got to do something about it, Pilate. And so what does Pilate come out and say? Hey, I will release this man to you, the king of the Jews. What's he doing? He's throwing it in their face. He's like, I don't, this guy's no threat to Rome. He's not going to do anything to Caesar. Like, he's not leading a rebellion. I mean, if he were rid- literally your king, why are all the people who should be following him here yelling to crucify him? Right? Like, th- this makes no sense. So here's what I'll do. I'll release to you the king of the Jews. And what do they cry out? No. Not this man. We want Barabbas. All right. Now one time I heard a, a, a very compelling Bible lesson um, on the work of God in someone's life and how he can change people. And he talked all about Barabbas and how we see Barabbas going on uh, to become this great missionary and evangelist and doing all of this great stuff, um, but the only problem was the guy that was making this great talk uh, got Barabbas and Barnabas mixed up, and so we do see Barnabas in the book of Acts doing all that stuff, but that, that wasn't Barabbas, <laughs> um, different guy, names sound familiar. Uh, the truth is we don't really know much about Barabbas other than what's said here, And that word that my translation translates as robber uh, really is more likely should be translated as kind of an insurrectionist. Um, So this was a guy who was a part of actually trying to rebel against Rome. Okay. So you see the irony here. They were coming to Pilate saying, hey, you got to kill Jesus because he is a threat to Rome. And Pilate says, he's no threat to Rome. I'll release him to you. And, and so who are the people that are obviously very con- concerned about threats to Rome? Who do they want? The guy who was a part of a threat to Rome. <laughs> That's who they want to be released. They say, no, give us Barabbas. And what we see here is even in this situation, we already see as Jesus is going to his punishment. Someone who is guilty. He is innocent going to punishment. Someone who is guilty is being set free. That is grace. That is mercy. And that is ultimately the whole story of everything that Jesus is doing on the cross. Is He is innocent, but he's going to pay the price for those who are guilty. He's taking their place. Barabbas probably deserved the cross. Jesus did not deserve the cross. Barabbas set free. Jesus goes to the cross. Flip that and put your name in there. What do I deserve? The cross. Wayne, guilty. Deserves the cross. Deserves punishment. Deserves death. Jesus, innocent. Does not deserve punishment. Does not deserve death. Thankfully, Jesus took Wayne's place. He paid the price for me. So when we read about Barabbas, put yourself in there as someone who has been set free because of Jesus' mercy. The story of the cross is that we get mercy and Jesus takes the punishment. We get mercy, Jesus takes the punishment. And so... Pilate, all right, attempt one on letting Jesus go, failed. Um, That that didn't go so well. Couldn't, Couldn't con the people into that one. So then he moves on to his next strategy, 19 verse 1. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. And they came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. And Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I'm bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold the man. So what, what, is, what does Pilate see in Jesus? Not guilty. So what does he do, being a spineless man? Orders him to be whipped. See the justice? What Pilate, the way John records it, it seems what Pilate's trying to do, he's like, well, maybe if I'll just appease the crowd a little bit, maybe if I'll just give them a little bit, then that will get them to calm down. So here, I'll just beat the guy. Now, what did this mean for the Romans to beat someone? Most likely, this was done with a weapon called the cat-of-nine-tails. It had a wooden handle and leather straps that came out from it. Embedded in those straps were pieces of metal and glass um, made and designed in angles to where when they would whip, it would grab onto the flesh, and then as they would pull the whip away, it would literally rip the flesh off. And so after, I mean, this, this method alone was sufficient for executing someone. You could literally kill somebody this way. And it's it's to be assumed that when Jesus went through this beating, at the end of his, his back would have been like the consistency of ground beef. And Jesus is enduring this torment and this torture. Then on top of that, the soldiers... Start so they're saying, hey, this guy's the king of the, the Jews. The king. This is the enemy king. Look how weak he is. We've got him down. We're, we're, we're beating him. And they go on to start mocking him. They make a crown of thorns, shove it on his head. They take some purple cloth and drape it over him. Purple representing royalty. And they're all mocking him. In Matthew, he includes the fact that they they gave him a a reed and said, here's your staff, great king. And they're making fun of him. And so Jesus is enduring this torture, both physical and psychological torture that they're putting him through. And it seems that Pilate's goal is to say, hey, look, we've, I've given him enough, okay? I, don't, I find him innocent, he hasn't done anything, I've punished him already, we can let him go now. And the people are not appeased. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, take him yourself and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, we have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die because he has made himself the son of God. Okay, so their whole reasoning for Pilate that, hey, king of the Jews, he's a threat to Rome, isn't working out. So they're switching tactics now, and they're saying he he needs to die because he's made himself out to be the son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, Will you not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? And then here's the only thing that that John records Jesus saying in this whole passage that we're looking at today. Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. And so, here we see Pilate getting scared. Now, we don't know what Pilate's theology was. We don't know if he believed in the one true God, uh, from being around the Jews for this amount of time, and that He was putting together the pieces that Jesus was claiming to be the Son of this God, or if He believed, as most Romans did, in a you know the whole Greek and Roman mythology Godhead and all the different gods, and and how some of those gods would have offspring who would come and walk the earth, and and so you'd have. Um, people like hercules in their view right and so so you could see Pilate maybe getting concerned here because he's like oh great did i just order the whipping of the equivalent of hercules is this guy about to use his powers and come back and spite me is zeus about to come around and and get me now because of what i've done to his son Um, we don't know we don't know what Pilate's theology is but we do know that this statement gets his attention. That, hey, wait, there's something else about this guy. There's something even bigger about this guy than than what I was already seeing. I see no cause for punishment for him. I don't see that he's done anything wrong. And now he's putting the pieces together. Wait, son of God? That's an even bigger deal. And that's a bigger deal for us as well. Because you see, if Jesus was just a good guy... And he was just a good guy that died on a cross. Then there's really not much that he can do for us. And there's really not much that that would mean for us. At most we could look at his teachings and say, well, there's some stuff I can learn from my life. And I can take that and try to use it in my life. But if he's the son of God, then there's a lot of implications for us. Because you see, yes, he was fully man, and as a man, being fully man, he was able to die on that cross. But he also was fully God, being the son of God, and in that he was able to take up his life again and rise from the dead and make the promise to us that all those who believe in him and call on his name will be with him for eternity and he too will bring them to the resurrection from the dead. So the fact that he's the son of God makes all the difference. And Pilate is getting frustrated with him, saying, "Dude, why aren't you, you're not even answering my questions now? Like I've got this whole mob out here yelling at me to kill you, and now I'm trying to I'm trying to do something here, and you won't even talk to me now. Don't you recognize my authority? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's kind of funny. <laughs> Pilate, Jesus, who has more authority?" Um, And Jesus' answer to him is this You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. No authority unless it's given to you from above. What do we know that that means? We know that what that means is Pilate has no authority unless God put him in the position where he has authority. What did Pilate maybe think that he meant? Maybe Pilate thought he meant, well, well, yeah, Caesar did give me this post. And I, I, don't, I don't know what I should do here because I, I have to, to do what Caesar would want me to do. But we know that Jesus is pointing to the fact that human authority in human governments is a gift that is granted by God that God is sovereign over human governments and who is sitting in those roles of authority. And now this is something that today is very controversial, (laughs) something that Christians don't like to think about, that our leaders, many of whom we don't like their policies and we don't like things that they do or say and we see that the ways that they are contrary to God's word and how do we reconcile that with the fact that scripture says God put them in that spot how does that go together and how does that teach us how we should treat them and Paul dealt with this very topic in Romans chapter 13 where he is writing to Christians who live in Rome under the authority and under the governance of Nero. Now, if you don't know your history, there wasn't anybody who, as a political leader, was worse to Christians than Nero. I mean, he would literally take them, put them on stakes on the, in the street, cover them in fuel, and light them on fire, and make Christians the street lamps for the city. All right? So you talk about a bad leader. You can't get much worse for Christians than Nero. And what is Paul to advise the christians there about their approach to nero does he say hey you need to lead an insurrection hey you need to lead a revolt you need to overthrow this guy we got to get this guy out of there no here's what paul says to them let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from god and those that exist have been instituted by god i think i only put verse one on the screen but i'm gonna read a little bit more Honor to whom honor is owed. And so how do we put this together? Well, we see the Bible teaching for sure is that followers of Christ are to treat governing authorities with the respect due to someone placed in their position by our God. We're to treat them with the respect due to their position of someone that's been put in that position by our God. And I know today the argument is, well, yeah that that might have made more sense back in times when when people were ruled by you know kings and and those kind of things where the whoever was in power was in power because they won the battle, they won the fight, and they therefore we can see that God's hand was in control over the battle, was over the fight, and so even as the Romans came to to. To be in charge, we can see that, yeah, well, God had his hand orchestrating that. Um, he allowed that to happen. He put them into positions of power. He placed Caesar where he placed Caesar. We can we can see that. But it's different today, right? Because we live in democracies. And so, well, it's it's just a whole different thing, right? I want to ask you, do you really think that a God who is sovereign over a battlefield is not also sovereign over an election box? It's the only difference. A God who is sovereign over a battlefield is also sovereign over an election box. He can work through democracies to put the people into power and authority that he wants to be there. Now, do I have my questions about why some of the ones that are there are there? Yes, (laughs) I do. Does that mean that I don't have to follow what Scripture says about how I respect them, how I treat them, how I honor them? What Scripture tells me about praying for them? I'll tell you, I don't want any of their jobs. I do not want to be in that position. But what we see here with Pilate is what Jesus is saying is, hey, yeah, you do have the authority to order my execution, but you know why you have it? It's because God put you in this place in this time to give that order. And we don't know all of God's purposes. We don't know all of his reasons. We don't know why he does the things that he does. We don't know why he's having the people in power that he has in power. But what we see here with Pilate to be true, we know to be true today as well. And what goes with that equally is what we see to be true in Pilate, we also see to be true today as well in the fact that Pilate is a sinner who gets it all wrong. And many of our leaders today are sinners. And you know what they do? They get it all wrong. And you know what I would do if I were in authority? I would sin and I would get it all wrong. You know what you would do? You would be perfect, I'm sure. (laughs) But those who God places in positions of authority mess it up and sin against him and against others because jesus said here therefore he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin he says hey what you're doing right now pilate what you're about to do is wrong it's a sin you're going to order the execution of an innocent man He says, hey, who has the even greater sin as the mob out there led by um, the high priests and all the religious leaders who are, are bringing these charges against me and forcing your hand on this? They have an even greater sin. Jesus is calling it for what it is. Sin is sin. And he knows that it's that exact thing, that exact issue of sin is the reason he's about to go to the cross. So it goes on, verse 12. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. He's still trying. Still trying. Just can't can't do it. But the Jews cried out. If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. All right, now there's a lot more in that statement than probably what we catch, okay? To be a friend of Caesar was a political status. Okay? And so for someone to be considered a friend of Caesar meant that Caesar had granted them this title. Kind of like a, I don't know, Derek, what's the in the British system? Is would it would be like a lord or a lady when they take somebody they like and they put them in a, a position? Is, is that what the queen does? Is that, is that a fair fair comparison? This is somebody that's ro- loyal to the crown, right? And so this is a, a friend of Caesar. This person has status. And so what most likely we can know is probably Pilate had been given this status, and with that status, he had been given this post to oversee this area in Jerusalem. And so now the people are coming at him and saying, hey, you're no friend of Caesar. What are they doing? They're threatening his political career. They're threatening his job. They're threatening his livelihood. And they're... And in fact, whenever someone, specifically with this Caesar, whenever someone went from being a friend of Caesar to not a friend of Caesar, that usually included an execution. And so they're threatening Pilate's life here as well. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement in, and an in Aramaic Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, Behold your king. And they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified and so Pilate does what they want he gives into the mob he gives into the crowd he says fine do it it's a sad statement when the the chief priests the ones who are are supposed to be leading the people in, in the way that God's word instructs are saying we have no king but Caesar what are they instructed in the Old Testament before the, the people demand to have a king? They're instructed that they're only supposed to have one king, and that was supposed to be God. There were to be a theocracy. They're supposed to be ru- ruled and reigned by God on high. And here they are again. They have the opportunity to worship the one true God, the one who sits on the throne, Jesus. They have him right there with them. They have their opportunity to be ruled and reigned by him. And who do they choose instead? They choose Caesar. Pilate understood a lot. He got the fact Jesus really was the the king of the Jews. He got the fact that he was an innocent man. I think he even got the fact that he was the son of God. But he didn't have the backbone to stand up and follow Jesus instead of caving to man. He gave in to sin instead of submitting to Christ. And I want to ask you, where are you today? If you were in Pilate's shoes, if you knew this to be true, what are you going to do? Would you turn and follow Jesus? Or would you go with the mob and watch out for your own political career and your own life and livelihood? Because you see, what Pilate chose was sin. And the way I'm defining sin right here is sin is looking out for oneself and not doing what is right. Looking, he's looking out for himself. I mean, you look at this whole monkey trial that they set up for Jesus. Jesus was, was arrested in the middle of the night. And by, depending on what timing John is used when he says the sixth hour here, it's either 6 a.m. or noon. So probably at best, his whole trial has lasted 12 hours. And in that, Pilate gives the order. He says, you can take him and you can crucify him. You can kill him. And and the the reason Jesus had to go to that cross was because we do exactly this. We look out for ourselves, and we don't do what's right. All the times that I've looked out for myself and I didn't do what's right, put my wishes before what God says is right is the reason that Jesus had to go to that cross and pay the price for me, pay the punishment for me. And so when I want to ask you today, are you still stuck in a place where you're looking out for yourself and not doing what's right? Or are you saying, hey, Jesus, you really are the king. You really are the son of God. You really are the way, the truth, and the life. I believe that no man comes to the Father except through you. And Jesus, I'm giving you my life. I'm following you. That invitation is before you today. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus and asked him to be your Lord and Savior, you can do that right now. Just call out to him and say, yes, Jesus. Yes, I believe. I want your forgiveness. I want you to take my wrong, the sin that I've committed, and I want you to take care of it on the cross in the way that only you can. And if that is you, and you've, you've been in that place, maybe you've been a Christian for a while, you've been following Jesus for a while, but maybe sin keeps creeping back in. Maybe today you need to confess those things to him, and say, Jesus, I've been messing up here. I've been adding on to what you already had to pay for on the cross. I put more on there, and I'm sorry. Forgive me, Jesus. In a minute, we're about to take of the Lord's Supper together. And this is a time for Christians to reflect on the fact that Jesus did lay down his literal body and his literal blood for us. That he paid the price for us. He died for us. And so, I'm going to read uh, one more verse, just kind of in conclusion here. And it says this, and the author of Hebrews writes, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He's the founder and perfecter of our faith, and he endured the cross and all the shame that came with it. But now he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's on his throne, and he is ruling, and he is reigning, and he is in control. And so while we might question what's going on with political leaders he has calling the shots in this world, we know that he's in ultimate control over all of it. And in the end, he's going to carry out justice on all of those people. All of the leaders who've gotten it wrong, all the people that have done wrong, they will be judged. All of us not in authority who've done it wrong, gotten it wrong, we're going to be judged. But the good news is, if you're in Christ Jesus, if you've placed your faith in him, and you've asked him to be your Lord and Savior, he's taken all of your guilt, all of your sin, he's put it on himself, he's nailed it to that cross, and he says, they are mine, I have redeemed them, I have washed them clean, their sin counts no more. I'm going to pray as the the band comes back up. And the guys that are going to pass out communion, if you guys will come on and you can start uh, passing that out. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the price that he paid for us. I thank you for his willingness to go to that cross. And Lord, uh, we know that it is our sin that put him there. And so Lord, we also thank you that forgiveness is found in Jesus. That pardon is found in Jesus. That we can be made right with you through Jesus. And so, God, we thank you for all that you do for us. And I pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.